So hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rookies Podcast. This is Aliza Tamal and with me is my co-host Ryan Lewis. And on today's episode, we will be discussing the effects of COVID on the development and growth of youth sports in Canada. Here to provide us with some expertise into the youth sport culture are two very special guests from Layup Basketball. Layup is a community-based basketball program designed for children and youth of ages 6 to 14. Their programs are led by certified coaches and are delivered in Toronto's neighborhood improvement areas for free of charge. So we're very excited to introduce you the head coach of Layup Basketball, Deidre Belmont, and the basketball operations manager of Layup, Michaela Riche. So welcome, um, Deidre and Michaela, to the Rookies podcast. And thank you for taking the time to speak with us today about such an important topic in today's day and age, um, youth sports. So how are you guys? Good. Um, Thank you for having us. Really excited. I think it's an important topic to speak on. Uh, And with Layup, we've had some success in pivoting uh, in in this new time. And I think it's important to share the information and the resources as much as possible. So thanks for having us here for this conversation. Sure, yeah, we're very excited to have you. So to start off, can you tell us about your backgrounds and how you got involved with Layup Basketball? So Michaela, maybe we can start with you. Yeah, um, I'm from Ottawa, uh, Kingston, Toronto, moved around a lot growing up. Um, I have a background in high performance uh, basketball, mostly on the women's side. I played, I've coached, been involved in the recruiting game. Um, I joined Layup just about a year ago, uh, right before the pandemic. Uh, so uh, it's been a lot of fun kind of pivoting and uh, just navigating these new challenges. Um, yeah. Again, thank you for having us. Um, my name is Deidre. Um, I've been playing basketball all my life since uh, the age of six. Um, I, I got a scholarship to play basketball in Alberta. Um, and then when I came back uh, to Toronto, I saw the opportunity to coach for layup basketball. Um, so yeah, I've been coaching ever since. Uh, it's been about six years now with layup. Um, and like Michaela said, uh, it's just awesome to see how it has pivoted uh, towards uh, virtual, but just uh, excelling uh, every single day. All right, awesome. So moving on to our first question, um, what are some of the ways layup basketball and other youth sports programs in general help children? Um, I can speak a little bit on how we build our curriculum. Uh, We do have an evidence base that we refer to a long-term athlete development model from Canada basketball, positive youth development model. Um, We do have an approach to coaching girls that's tailored to providing a positive and safe environment for them to in and play in. Um, And then future of work skills, uh, just skills identified that kids will need to be able to pivot in whatever jobs exist in 10 years from now. Um, So we do build all of our activities and games off of the hopes of developing those skills on the court. Um, And then a lot of life skills and relationship skills are built as uh, as well in our our programming. I can let Coach Deidre speak on that. Yeah, so taking the curriculum uh, to the court, um, obviously implementing the basketball side, but implementing as well uh, morality skills that they can uh, do outside of basketball, outside of the court. Um, for example, you know, a- after uh, every session, we, we do have a post-game huddle where we do talk about, you know, the word of the day. Um, we talk about how that can um, be used, of course, on the court, but more importantly, off the court. Um, so just teaching um, these kids uh, life skills daily, 
um, and just ensuring that they, they take what we teach them um, into their everyday lives. And um, aside from the skills that we develop and the basketball skills, off-court skills, um, we, there's so many benefits to physical activity, a lot of them being on learning. Um, and so we have a school day program that we do through the TDSB. Um, we both offer our hybrid program, which is the kids will be doing in-person learning in a space, um, whether they're in the gym or in a multi-purpose room and our coaches are on a projector and join the class virtually. So they lead a session that way or our virtual program. If kids are learning from home, everyone's at home, coaches are at home, uh, participants are at home and we have a, like a household item equipment uh, curriculum plan uh, where the kids can still participate in activities, get all the benefits of physical activity. And it's been really cool to see uh, and hear from the teachers the benefits on concentration, uh, just participation in class, um, just ability to learn uh, once they've been physically active in their school day. Um, so lots of benefits from physical activity, doing it evidence-based I think is awesome and having the right people uh, is huge. As you can see with Coach Deidre, she's a uh, kid's favorite. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Uh, so we're very interested to hear back in March 2020, last year, when COVID first hit, what was your initial reaction as an organization? Um, how did you kind of come up with these, you know, virtual programs? And um, how did you kind of pivot from there and change your curriculum and turn it into, you know, something to keep your staff safe and, your, and the children participating safe? How was that kind of transition for you and for your organization? I think one of the first things is we decided we would work from home and stop our school year programming um, because all of the other organizations in the community were doing it. So we wanted to keep going as much as possible. Uh, eventually we started working from home when it was declared a pandemic and stuff. Um, that was an interesting transition. Uh, I think our team, our, our internal team came a lot closer. Uh, it's funny, Chris, who's not here today, um, is the one who in our team meeting suggested we build a virtual program. Um, my first reaction was like, okay, I'll entertain this idea and just go with it, you know? Um, and I think a lot of us were a little bit skeptical, um, but I mean, Chris is always 10 steps ahead and, and he, he brings that to the organization. It's, it's huge. Um, and he was in that sense as well. So we just started building right away. We just said, okay, we're building a virtual program. Um, having the evidence-based frameworks were super helpful because we know basketball, we know what we've been taught, our experiences, um, and then we have the evidence and the best practices recommendations. So building a curriculum off of that kind of puzzle was a really cool activity. Um, it was also super stressful, don't get me wrong. Um, but just kind of thinking of all the different parts that we needed to be able to develop a virtual program. Uh, it, it was a pivotal moment for layup. Um, we addressed gaps in access to technology, uh, access to food security, access to equipment, all the participants and our coaches got um, um, play at home kits with all of the equipment that they would need to participate for the whole summer, um, t-shirts and jerseys. Um, so it, it, we really tried to, to address all the barriers that would prevent anyone from participating. Our curriculum is also designed to be done in a five by five square foot space or a hallway. Um, understanding that the kids that we serve uh, probably have space restrictions or, uh, you know, or live in, in, in certain situations where they might not have a basement and be able to go outside. So 
a lot of things to consider, a whole new curriculum to be built. Um, but overall, we had team meetings three times a week. Um, we had team challenges to keep the morale up. Um, the, the leadership was really, really supportive. Uh, we had the tough conversations when the Black Lives Matter stuff happened. Um, you know, we, were, we weren't afraid of, of doing those things. Um, so we had a lot of success overall, right from the beginning of the pandemic, I think because we decided to pivot so quickly. And um, Deidre was, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, at that time, I was a part-time coach at Layup, so I wasn't um, involved, um, I guess, from the beginning with planning the virtual program. Um, and then, uh, you know, got, got a call from Michaela saying, you know, we need you on full-time. I said, I'm here, let's do it, um, but we're going virtual. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, I'm, I'm a head coach. I, I usually coach on um, on the court, on, on the basketball court. How, how are we going to pivot towards virtual? Um, so again, kind of like what Michaela said, just, you know, playing with the ideas, seeing how it will go, but just seeing how organized we were, um, we got the curriculum down and packed like so quick, um, figured out what we needed for the kids, what we needed for ourselves. Um, we just have a, a, a strong core team that came together at a really, really urgent um, time. And um, we just kind of put the puzzle together and everything just just mended everything just happened um when we launched our summer program Michaela it was it was awesome uh I was like wow this this works <laughs> this is amazing um and and now it's growing now we have hybrid um you know virtual TDSB so on and so forth um so yeah I, I guess to answer your question it, it was it was definitely um a big transition um but for the best I think just as like and putting myself in an outsider's perspective, I think what you guys are doing is amazing, especially knowing how important and and knowing on the on the sort of research side of things, like when I well, I'm still at Brock University, but knowing about the long-term athletic development model and knowing that at certain ages it's key to be doing participation and making sure you're active and knowing that you guys are are keeping it virtually is a great thing to hear, especially knowing how important it is uh, for the youth. So great, great job, guys. I'm, it's also so cool to hear that you took into consideration the you know the size restrictions um, when you're when you're changing your um, curriculum and it's it's really cool to hear that and I'm really interested to hear about how your and you being a not-for-profit organization too how your financing and how your staffing um, kind of changed and was impacted by the pandemic if you guys can talk about that. Um, we have a very, um, I don't think I've heard our ED say no to any asks. Um, and I think that Layup is a financially stable organization. We have some really big um, donors and supporters and really, really great partnerships in the community um, that, that support financial uh, means that way. We also um, are able to order a lot of our programming equipment through our, our, our um, partnerships and stuff. So um, financially we have support. I think we have a good foundation um, and essentially we've been able to apply for grants because we had a great game plan based on evidence. We had specific outcomes that we were aiming for and we had a plan in place to execute. So when we applied for um, grants or support to run some of these programs or purchase the play at home kits or whatever it may be, um, 
we had a, a, a strong plan in place and a strong argument to, to be asking for what we were asking for. And I just want to touch on the play at home kits and the jerseys and stuff. And I think it was so important, especially going virtually. And we'd be asking the kids to turn their camera on and participate um, to provide as level of a playing field as possible. And that's where we provide the technology and um, that as well. Um, but just for the kids to be able to all look the same on the call um, and regardless of what space they were in, to have everything they needed to play was really important to the success of our program. And I think that's a big reason that we were so, um, that we see such unbelievable outcomes from that summer and continuing with our virtual programming is because of um, those things that we take into account that, that could be barriers to participation and how do we tackle them before they, be, before they are a barrier. So going off on that, your virtual and your hybrid programs, how about like the participation? Um, is it, I, I can imagine it's not the same or is it the same or um, how is it different? And how, how with these virtual programs, how are kids affected? Kids who participate are affected? And, and yeah, I guess, can you just talk about how the participation of these new programs are? Yeah, I can touch on that for sure. Um, again, we have, um, so we have layup virtual, we have hybrid virtual, and we have TDSB, um, which are all three different groups. Um, to touch on layup first, um, these kids are used to each other. They've played with each other on court, um, summer programming, and then now um, having this layup virtual within this uh, time period. So they're, they're used to each other. Cameras are always on. We have about um, the, the, the maximum is 15 kids. We usually have uh, 15 kids with cameras on, um, on the lower scale, maybe eight, um, but still cameras on, full participation, full engagement. And that's because like Michaela says, uh, they have all the equipment. They look like each other with the, with the jerseys or t-shirts, whatever it might be. Um, so uh, that's an awesome, awesome um, uh, virtual session. Uh, now going into um, TDSB, um, it's essentially the, um, their recess. So they, they have their teacher there. Um, it's about 20, 20 to, to 30 kids sometimes. So it is a, a big, big group. Um, obviously at, at the beginning, um, it was a, a little uh, different for them uh, because they're speaking to the camera. Um, some of them don't wanna show their space. Um, but throughout time, um, everything has been, you know, fully ironed out. They, they want to be here. They, they have all their cameras on, full engagement, full participation. Um, even if they don't have all the equipment, they'll grab some socks and, and, they're, and they're with us uh, playing with their socks or, or their tennis ball, whatever it might be. Um, so again, um, that was a work in progress, but now we're, we're fully 100% um, participation. And then uh, with, with hybrid, which is a newer program, um, which I think is honestly the, one of the best things that we, we've done um, in terms of pivoting uh, virtually because now the kids are with each other. So they, they, they feed off their, their energy, they feed off their, their friends. Um, of course, being you know, six feet apart and, and maintaining uh, COVID standards, um, all in the same room. Uh, and, and, and the great thing about um, TDSB and, and um, hybrid virtual is that the teacher is there um, actually working out with them. So if, if they see their teacher, um, you know, going hard, they want to go hard as well. Um, so it's just awesome to see. Um, and, and yeah, so everything has, has been obviously a work in progress, but we're, we're definitely at our peak. And to touch on engagement quickly too, um, 
I think a lot of it depends on, so to Deidre's point, with the kids in our independent layup program, that's our registration-based program. Those are the kids we targeted that were in person before the pandemic, pivoted to online. A lot of them were in our first summer program with the play at home kids. So those kids are bought in and they're engaged and they're really a strong part of the layup community. They're like, I guess we have good retention with those participants. So it helps with the online engagement. Um, and to Deidre's point with the virtual school day program, um, maybe some of these kids is their first time doing exercise on the camera, right? Or virtually. Um, and it takes a little bit of time for them to get used to the structure of our program, um, get used to the rules, get comfortable around each other. Um, but a, a, a small barrier to engagement um, in the beginning, in the early stages with new programs is the kids being new to basketball online and being hesitant. But to Deidre's point as well, when teachers are participating and engaged both in our hybrid and our virtual programs, it makes the world of difference um, in what we do. It's, it's great to hear that the engagement and participation is fair, is being effective, especially in a virtual setting. Um, kind of segueing from that, of, of course, especially in a time like COVID, mental health and, and children's well-being and the youth's well-being is so important. Um, and because of this, how do you guys and, and um, Layup in general, how do you guys find uh, good ways to motivate the children and the, the youth to sort of participate um, effectively and promote participation in a, in a sense, sort of segueing from the conversation we just had. Yeah, um, again, we, we are very intentional with our curriculum. So we, we ensure to, um, you know, before we start the program, we, we do like an energy check. We wanna make sure that uh, the kids are on the same level and, and sometimes they're not, sometimes they're not having the best day. So we, we do um, ensure that we, we keep an eye out, uh, not calling out anyone, but just keeping an eye out. Um, and um, all, and very intentional with the word of the day. And, and I think that has really helped with um, kids feeling comfortable to, to, to speak about um, either, you know, what, what they're going through or um, just to speak about, you know, what they like. Um, I feel like a lot of these kids want to be heard. Um, like the other day, our, our word of the day was commitment. Um, and, and what I decided to do was um, there was about uh, seven kids just asking them one by one, um, you know, what's their passion and, and what are they committed to daily and just hearing some of uh, their answers and, and um, them just being heard, uh, you know, that that really uh, partakes in, in their mental well being, because um, some of them do want to be heard and, and they're very, very talented kids. Um, so just, you know, nitpicking the, the, the uh, small things and, and executing and ensuring that, um, you know, we, we all um, are family, we, we really, really, really um, build off of that word um, because we are a family. Um, and yeah, just, just ensuring that we, we, we do pay attention to every single kid, um, even if it's 20 kids, uh, we, we know their names, um, we, we know what they like, we really pay attention, we're very intentional as coaches. Again, we, we do teach the, the sport, um, but I, I'm here personally to, to be a teacher as well, uh, to be an example. Um, and, and to ensure that they, they do have, um, you know, someone to speak with if they do have a problem. And, and I've, again, I've been here for six years and I, I've had kids pull me to the side saying, Coach D, like, I need to talk to you. And, and, and just being that, that, that shoulder. Um, and, and of course, you know, keep, keeping it uh, between um, the kid and I. Obviously, if it needs to be, you know, um, 
giving to the team, then for sure. Um, but you know, sometimes it's just, I'm just having a bad day coach. Um, so yeah, um, that, that's how we uh, focus on mental well-being. Just to expand on that a little bit as well, um, you talk about the power of role models and the power of having a good coach. And there's statistics that show how much coaches can impact kids' lives directly and how much of a, of a weight that they hold in kids' opinions and uh, motivation. So to have strong role models, these are coaches from the communities that we serve, um, to have um, exercise and activities and conversations that promote vision and hope too for more. Um, sometimes it's hard for the kids to see beyond the pandemic and see past it, you know, as adults, I think we know there's better days ahead. And for kids, you can get stuck a little bit sometimes. So just really promoting their, um, obviously the benefits of physical health and mental health intersect, um, but being intentional to do just point about it with having quality conversations, um, thought provoking word of the day, um, and just providing a safe space where kids know that they can learn and they have strong role models that they can relate to, I think goes leaps and bounds in the realm of mental health. It's what we can do as basketball coaches, at least. And, and to touch on, on that, um, like Michaela said, we are from the community. I, I grew up um, in Scarborough, Melbourne, where um, we, we had a program uh, in person um, right behind my, my mom's house. Um, so kind of seeing these kids as babies and, and now seeing them, you know, uh, eight, nine and saying, oh, I remember you. I, I used to watch you playing um, at Mother Teresa. So um, I think that's very important that like, layup um, is very intentional with their coaches um, and, and want them to have similar backgrounds to the kids so we can relate. That's great to hear, especially knowing putting myself in the shoes uh, when back when I participated in sport, uh, I played soccer, but just being able to communicate with my coaches on, on a one-on-one -on -one sort of scenario and situation, being able to vent if I needed to, being able to know that I'm here to participate in sport, but I'm also here to just play sports and have a good time and not think about the thing that's happening behind me. So it's great to hear that you guys are focusing on that layup. And segueing from that, um, what would be a way, in your opinion, just as you guys have gone through the experience, is the best way to increase the participation and making it more accessible for, for children and youth in areas where it might not necessarily be as accessible from others? So first of all, I wanted to say creating a positive experience around sport and physical activity at a young age is crucial. For engagement, again, going back to the evidence, how do you coach kids that are at this age, at this age, at this age? Cognitively, socially, emotionally, physically, where are they at? Right. At what age does it make sense to to implement like a timer to complete an activity at a, at a too young of an age? They don't know what 15 seconds is. Right. At an older age, it makes sense to do a drill and time it for 15 seconds. And they feel they, they develop these skills at different ages um, in all of those categories. So when you go back to the evidence, you're able to tailor all of the activities in the games that you do to their age, um, to their development levels again, cognitively, physically, socially, emotionally, um, how you deliver the practices and stuff. Um, the fact that we operate from a trauma-informed approach um, helps come into situations and understand that it's not about us and um, 
that these kids through sport we can either make it worse or make it better and these kids have certain barriers and baggage that's uh still in their lives today and um, sport can be a great way to release those those things um, and work on the skills to counter it and find vision and find purpose and, and you know break free from that but um if you don't know how to deal with these situations as a coach you can also make it worse for the youth right and reinforce those um barriers and those negative responses negative that you would perceive as negative um responses in youth so having a trauma-informed perspective in coaching and um having principles around coaching girls right focusing on creating a safe space and a safe environment so they can feel comfortable competing they feel like they belong and then they'll compete guys guys will compete they'll succeed they'll get acceptance and make friends from the fact that they competed and succeeded girls they won't want to compete and they won't want to try new things unless they feel like they belong and they feel like they're connected so using those approaches when we have our girls only programming and in our co-ed programming it's beneficial in, in both settings um using a trauma-informed approach and really having a curriculum that's designed for the age the gen well, gender um and uh, development stages uh, of the youth is a great way to promote engagement. But um, I can let Coach Gigi speak on this a little bit. Our curriculum does allow some wiggle room for coaches' creativity. Like the energy checks they can get creative with, some activities loading. Um, so Deidre, if you wanna speak on uh, engagement by uh, remixing the curriculum. Yeah, I mean, the, the curriculum uh, is, is definitely a structure, but as, as coaches, sometimes you, you have to alter, you have to ensure that, you know, something is not working um, and, and, and you want to increase participation, how can you do so? Um, so uh, with that being said, um, we are, uh, I feel like as soon as you come on and, and if you both were to ever join um, a virtual session, it's it's a safe space. Like you, you want to be here. Um, we are always, um, high energy um, and they feed off our energy. And like I said, the, they feed off the teacher's energy or, or whomever is there. Um, and then um, what we like to do um, and speaking for myself as well is I like to um, let the kids have a voice. So um, for, for stretches, for example, we'll go one by one, you know, um, Michaela, you do a stretch and then, you know, uh, Deidre, you'll do a stretch and uh, Ben, you'll do a stretch and, and that allows participation engagement and they feel comfortable enough to, 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 to show their cameras. Um, so again, just ensuring that every kid has a, a voice um, is, is a, a, a keen way to really ensure that they are um, just here with us and they're active. Um, and, and we want to make sure they feel comfortable. Of course, you know, if, if it's your first time on camera, um, you might be a little shy, um, but just be, being very intentional with, you know, um, the, 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 the pregame huddle, I think that's what sets the tone for the rest of the, um, um, you know, 45 minutes that we are here for, with the kids. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely uh, nailed it. We, we know how to, how to get these kids high energy um, from when you come in. That's great to hear. The approach seems amazing, just based off of dealing with the youth and, and involving them more, more individually is a great aspect, just from an outside perspective. Uh, and going from that, with all these great benefits, um, what in the shoes of a parent, maybe a parent that might not necessarily be too open to getting their kid, kid or might not necessarily think of getting their kid involved in, in, in activity and in sport, what would you 
tell a parent um, and, and what would you make them consider uh, when it comes to putting their child into a sport program like LIP? We are intentional about developing physical literacy skills at a young age. Um, we're intentional about providing a positive um, experience around sport and physical activity. We know all the ways it benefits your health. We know all the ways it benefits your learning, your mood, your sleep. Um, there's research and research and research that proves that sport and physical activity is good for you. And then if you talk about the intangible benefits um, of what you can learn from personal or individual sports to team sports, it benefits your body. It gives you a goal. It's a great hobby. Um, you know, you can make friends. Uh, there's so many benefits to participating in sports. Uh, I think um, Muslim girl participation in sport is something that's an increasing topic because of the cultural barriers, right? Ab about why girls should or shouldn't participate in sports. Um, and there's so many barriers to girls' participation. That's another conversation. Those are the ones that are sometimes the most challenging because of what those barriers are. Like you really can't do a whole lot about it. Um, but the benefits of youth participation in sport on your development as a whole, scientifically is through the roof. And then when you talk about the intangibles and the possibilities, um, I don't know why you wouldn't sign your kid up in, in a sports program. Again, I, I am a coach from Malvern and growing up, I didn't have any of these things. Um, we, we were outside and, and playing with, with our friends and that's about it. Um, and again, we do serve, you know, lower priority neighborhoods that, that um, yes, now they, they, they are starting to give um, more to, to these kids, but, um, you know, I, I feel like um, a lot of parents want to get their kids in something that's positive and active. Um, and, you know, they, you, you want your, your child to, to be around, um, you know, kids and to obviously have a safe and, and, and positive environment. And that's what we provide. Um, and it's free. Um, and along with, with it being free, we do provide, um, you know, laptops. If you don't have a laptop, we, we, we provide jerseys and, and, and we provide, um, yes, physical, the, the, the physical aspect of basketball, but, you know, the, the morality, the, the, the teachings that we have, obviously, the, the evidence base behind it. Um, so it's, it's not hard to sell layup. Um, I feel like if you just type it in and just look at our Instagram or, or our website, you're, you're sold. Um, I, I feel like we just, we, we just have so many things under our branch. And, um, you know, if, if and when I do have a child, I want to put them in layup, even if I wasn't a coach. Um, but yeah, we're just an overall um, amazing, and I'm not just saying this because I, I work for LIAP, but just an overall amazing organization. Just from hearing uh, you guys mention just the inclusivity and the positivity like mindset regarding all everyone being able to participate in this program is great. And uh, it makes me think in, in a world after COVID and the pandemic where we are allowed to be outside and there, the restrictions are lessened and we're in a situation where we can get back to play one-on-one. Um, -on -one. Um, do, how do you guys see that looking in the future uh, in regards to Canadian youth sports and youth development? In regards to Canadian youth sports and development and basketball specifically, I think there's a, a big conversation around how accessible basketball is. You need a rim, a ball, and some shoes, right? But why are there no courts? Why is it so hard to get on a court and to get in a gym? 
right? Um, so I think there's buzzing conversation about gym accessibility and accessibility of playing basketball around Canada um, and getting it somewhere to where like hockey is, right? There's hockey rinks everywhere. Um, so I do hope to see that for layup specifically. We do have a contactless basketball program right now. Um, we actually just pulled it to move everything virtually uh, in the last couple of weeks, just in terms of um, the health and safety of our, of our coaches and following the trends, uh, right? So um, I think personally, we'll wanna keep some of our virtual and hybrid program in a, in a smaller capacity after the pandemic, just because we can reach so many more kids. And we think that people have adapted and it's gonna be still in demand. Um, we also have awesome home challenges on YouTube. So some of us will remain virtual. Um, but I think the, the future is really exciting um, for us and, and moving forward with in-person basketball because of the contactless. Uh, we do want to start towards uh, working towards league play um, and, and having teams and, and house league with layup. Um, so lots of plans for us with basketball after COVID. I think accessibility to gyms, making it easier to get gym space and gym time um, is really, really important in the Canadian basketball infrastructure. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see how, how everyone else is going to pivot as well. Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, we're, we're definitely prepared for anything that is thrown at us. Again, we have a, a curriculum-based program already set in place. Uh, so already, if, if the world pivots to, you know, tomorrow, we're open. Um, but um, this is the new norm. Um, you know, Zoom calls, Google Meet, and I, I feel like... Um, with uh, with any organization, even if you work at a nine to five, I feel like they, they'll have, um, well, <laughs> it'd be awesome, uh, but to like, you know, maybe have like a, a one day uh, off virtual session or what, whatever it might be. Um, again, we, we reach so many people just by doing uh, uh, virtual sessions or Zoom sessions. So I think that this will, um, and I, I, would, I would love for this to remain um, here because it, it is very impactful um, we do have a plan. Uh, everything is set in stone. Um, and, and again, just what, like Michaela said, it's kind of a trend now. Um, everyone's doing it. It's safer. Um, and of course, that transition into the, the world being normal um, is going to be a slow transition. Um, but yeah, again, we, we have everything, everything set in stone. So moving on to my last question, but you guys also kind of touched upon this. Do you think the pandemic has changed the youth sports landscape permanently? Um, so for the future, is there maybe anything you'd like to add to our last question or um, if you guys want to answer this one? It's definitely changed the way we operate. Of course, now, um, you know, gyms are closed. Um, but like what Michaela said, I, I feel like it's, it's putting, it has put a, a um, you know, uh, like a hawk's eye on why isn't uh, gyms accessible? Uh, why, why aren't gyms accessible for, for um, you know, kids that play basketball, but there's millions of, of you know, hockey rinks that are available uh, and, and free of charge. So um, I, I think that, you know, um, just kind of, you know, putting that at the forefront and ensuring that, um, you know, when, when things do get better, that we, we do have uh, gyms, not only outside gyms, uh, but indoor gyms um, open for uh, kids in the community to, to, to play for free, um, not just a one hour gap um, or a 30 minute gap, uh, you know, age groups and whatnot. Yeah, no, I'll just add on to that. I think COVID has changed the youth sports landscape uh, from the perspective of the mental health awareness also. Um, I think 
with social media and kids having phones at like eight years old now, you know, um, just being so um, hyper exposed to everything. There's no filter anymore. Um, so I think mental health at a young age is becoming an increasing topic. And I think COVID with the pandemic, with being locked up, um, there's a stat by a report uh, from Participation that says that only 4.8% of kids were getting the right levels of physical activity before the pandemic. The numbers are crazy, right? Of kids that not, aren't getting physical activity. So um, I think a lot of things factored into mental health being a primary topic of conversation. And I think that although you'd like for it to be something that older people have to deal with, you know, after having life experience and trauma, now kids have to deal with their mental health as well. Um, so I think that's gonna change the youth sport landscape moving forward. One more thing, social justice. Like I get that's not a part of the pandemic, but it's a part of 2020. Um, so like an approach to working with black youth, an approach to working with indigenous youth, an approach to working with different cultural um, people and not just clumping them in, in, you know what I mean, one category. So just having cultural awareness um, and just an emphasized need for what we provide uh, and, and having youth programs that are holistic and that develop kids um, from a complete perspective. Yeah, that was very insightful. Thank you, Michaela. And thanks for all your answers. To finish um, off here, is there anything coming for Layup Basketball that you guys want our listeners to know about? And how can our listeners reach you? Um, they can find us uh, on Instagram um, at Layup uh, Youth Basketball. Um, yeah, search it up right there. Um, on uh, if you go on Google, uh, layup youth basketball, um, the first one right there. Click uh, and and that will be our website page. Um, very very user friendly. Um, uh, one thing that we do have coming up um, is home challenges where uh, coaches do pre-record um, what we do um, in, in our space and then we'll put it on on YouTube um, and uh, they can do it and submit it and uh, we as coaches will, will watch it. Um, so again, if, if, you know, if it's hard to find time to, to join our virtual session, um, it's very accessible to, to go on YouTube and watch uh, what we do. Um, and just fully having um, just kids from all over uh, join um, whenever they can. Um, so that's definitely one thing to look out for. Layup Youth Basketball, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, layup.ca is our website at Tadusia's Point, super user-friendly. Got some great pictures up there, lots of information about our programs, about our team. Um, so you can find us there. And as far as what's coming up next, yeah, our home challenges, um, our summer program, we're wrapping up our school year program right now. So summer program coming up um, and just a, a team that's constantly innovating and, and trying to tie in the culture of basketball with basketball and, and provide opportunity for kids. So. Um, if you follow us on, on our platforms, you'll definitely know what's next, but uh, it's good. And I can promise that. Awesome. Thank you guys once again for, uh, for the two of you for being here. Um, we enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed it too. Um, and yeah, thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.